You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Welcome to Panels of Blood, the podcast where I read you horror comics from all eras. I am your horror host, Wes Deadair Nipe. First up, I'd like to thank Rick Hunter for the use of our intro and outro music, and Chris Begarn for all the wonderful art he provides for the website. You are entering, at your own will no less, the next part of our Archie Palooza with The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Now, the Sabrina character made her debut in 1962, created by George Glatter and, of course, Dan DiCarlo. The concept was simple. You have a witch, and it was basically just about a young girl going through high school, trying to hide the fact that she was a witch from her boyfriend. You know, a lot of problems would arise. She would try to solve things with magic, funny stuff would happen, and Bob's your uncle. There's the series. Some of you listening might be, oh, it's just like Bewitched. This predates Bewitched. Bewitched didn't debut until 1964, 65. I can't quite remember when. But this predates that. This predates I Dream of Genie. This concept, though, became incredibly popular in that era. And Sabrina the Teenage Witch was no exception. And the comic books enjoyed quite a bit of popularity. I mean, it was always eclipsed by the popularity of the Archie comics themselves. But... In the 1970s, Sabrina the Teenage Witch would get an animated show, not unlike the Archies themselves and other spin-off characters like Josie and the Pussycats. Archie was just a force to be reckoned with. Hanna-Barbera took on the animation. But for my generation, we're talking about people who are in their 20s and 30s, Sabrina the Teenage Witch really is the 1996 Melissa Joan Hart series. That's where you had a very popular show that ran for seven or eight seasons or something like that. And then from that, spun another animated series and another comic book series. Now, to be fair, the comics had been running pretty much since the 1960s, but the 2000s comic book series that was in the same style of art as the 90s animated series was incredibly popular, and that ran for a very long time. This was all under my radar, though. I did watch the Sabrina the Teenage Witch show... And I knew it was based off the Archie comics because, as I explained when we started this whole thing, I would be buying the Archie and Betty and Veronica double digests that they would have at the grocery store all the time. And in those double digests, there usually was a couple of Sabrina the Teenage Witch stories. Now, they were always very small. We're talking about one-page gags. So I never spent a lot of time with the character. Cut to Roberto Aguirre-Sakaza pitching an idea for Afterlife with Archie about this idea that the Archie character is running around with zombies. Now, when we read that story, we saw that at the very beginning, it was Sabrina that tried to resurrect Hot Dog, a la Pet Cemetery style, Hot Dog coming back as a zombie and then starting the zombie plague. Then the character is banished to think about what she'd done by her aunts and 
the character is to vanish from that universe for a year. When the idea of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was pitched, it was going to be an independent story. So this story that we're going to be reading is not related at all to Afterlife with Archie. This isn't a year later Sabrina comes back and what's the aftermath of the zombie apocalypse. This is its own story and a different kind of horror. Now there's a foreword in the first volume that where Roberto talks about his motivations and he's throwing out things like Rosemary's Baby and The Omen and a lot of those religious horror films that became incredibly popular in the 1960s and into the 1970s. Subtle horror. It seemed that anti-authority reigned supreme in horror in these days and so to take stabs at powerful religious organizations it was always about being subversive to power structures that were traditional in our society so this is going to be a lot of fun especially this is coming and people might think that oh wes you plan this stuff i don't recently it was announced that the chilling adventures of sabrina would be adapted into a television show now i don't know that it's going to be an adaptation of the comic book but it was specified that much like Riverdale which is a darker show Sabrina is going to be coming forth as a as a darker satanic show yeah i don't know if it's going to be like supernatural or what but it, it's going to be taking on the tone of this archie horror imprint and i live in such a world where i nod and suck my teeth and go like mm, yes 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 that makes total sense to me Meanwhile, all the comments that I was reading on social media were just, oh my god, why does this have to be a dark, why do they have to make everything dark? Sabrina's not supposed to be a dark character, this is not supposed to be a dark universe. Meanwhile, I'm eating it up, because I love the Sabrina the Teenage Witch character, but I love her more when it's fucking dark and satanic. But it really goes to show you that when people think Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they are pretty much thinking of the Melissa Joan Hart series. I mean, you couldn't get away from it. Everyone my age watched that show, even if they didn't admit it. And I wouldn't admit it at the time because it was kind of a dorky sitcom, but fucking entertaining. And lots of the things that were established in that show became canon as people understood it. Salem the Cat. Salem did exist in the 1960s comic book series, but he was just an orange cat. He was, didn't talk. He wasn't being punished for trying to take over the world. So it's stuff like that. Once this, once the live action series started, Salem became a black cat that could talk and was witty and urbane and what people identify the most with that character. And it's funny, I wouldn't consider myself very opposed to popular opinion on things, but it really goes to show that there are cases where I am just not on the same wavelength as some people who get tired of gritty, dark reboots of things, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh my god, make it all dark. Make it all sad. Give me the dark HR Puffin stuff. Give me the fucking evil strawberry shortcake. That's why I liked American McGee's Alice so much. That's why I like Afterlife with Archie. I love the idea of taking things that people liked as children that were cute and cuddly and then putting a real fucking dark spin on it. But I have prattled on long enough. So without further ado, I give you the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Story, Roberto Aguirre Sakaza. Artwork, Robert Hack. 
Letters, Jack Morelli. Publisher, John Goldwater. Establishing shot, it's night. We see an old creepy house, an inset panel, an open book, two skulls sitting next to it. Off in the corner, a jar with a small fetus-like demon preserved in formaldehyde. The date across the pages of the book, October 31st, 1951. Caption. Prologue. Westbridge, Massachusetts. A year after the birth. We see a man standing in a study next to a fireplace. He looks pensive with his hand up to his mouth. He's in a brown suit. He has brown, well-coiffed hair and a well-groomed beard. In the background, we hear the gentle ticking of a grandfather clock. Caption. The home and sanctum of Edward Theodore Spellman. High priest of the Church of Night. Scholar. Occultist. Father. A close-up. He's holding a picture frame. Caption. Who has conjured his Lord Satan in the living flesh numerous times, but tonight faces a much grimmer task. We see the picture that he's looking at. It's of him, his wife, and a baby. He speaks. If I could take this cup from your lips, Diana. The ticking of the clock stops on midnight. Close-up shot of Edward. He looks to someone that we can't see. Well, well, well. Good evening, ladies. You do know how to make an entrance. And we see what looks to be the majority of the coven of witches. Nine in total. Each one looking like a various style of a woman of the 1950s. All are wearing dresses. All have that 60s hair of varying lengths and colors. Edward. Welcome, sisters. And remember, we stand in his shadow. Zelda. Happy Halloween, Edward. Another who I think might be Hilda? Edward, yes. Hallowed Samahain. Is our little one ready to go? Edward. She's upstairs in her nursery. Her mother's saying goodbye. You stay right where you are, Zelda. We see Edward entering the nursery. The crib is empty. He's in silhouette. I'll go fetch them. It's time, my love. They've come for... We see again another shot of the empty nursery. A window is open. The sheer curtain blows in the wind. Edward, now that I'm looking at him, kind of looks like the dad from Amityville Horror. Except that guy was a little bit more blue collar. Caption. Edward Spellman married a willful, mortal woman. His sisters, even Hilda, warned him against breaking witch law. Of course, he's always been willful himself. We see Edward standing next to the open window, holding his arms. Oh, oh, Diana. Cut to Diana in the woods, running away. She has the baby Sabrina swaddled in a red blanket. She herself in a flowing white dress. She has pale blonde hair, almost white. She looks very ethereal, walking through these dark woods. Edward's caption. What in the name of Lucifer are you thinking? Diana. Shh, shh. It's all right, baby. Mommy's not going to let anyone take you from her. We'll go somewhere far, far away. Consecrated ground. A church where they can't 
a voice from the darkness, it seems to be, all around her. The woods, Diana? You believe the woods will hide you? It's Edward. Edward? He goes on to say. We are the woods, Diana. Diana is surrounded. We see that Edward is standing there with his hands clasped behind his back. The rest of the witches of the coven seem to slink around the trees. They're not looking at her. They're just around, looking somewhat distracted even. One of the witches in the far background looks very demonic. White eyes, stringy fingers. And we can see in the far background just vague shapes of the witches that are surrounding her. It's a very creepy shot. Edward goes on. But then, you've never understood that about us, have you? We are the weird woods. We are the salty earth. We are the blood moon. We are the cold October wind that blows through the dry, dead corn. We are the mountains and the rivers and caves and night. Diana, please. A close-up shot of her. Edward's shadow looms over the center of her face. Stay away from me. You can't have her. Edward standing there, the moon in the back, surrounded by tall, thin trees. On either side of him, Hilda and Zelda. You promised us. We made a pact. Diana now, crouched, her back up against a tree. She clutches the baby tightly. Diana, I beg you, Edward. Give me more time with her. A year. Even one more year. Edward steps forward. Any longer and she'll start to remember. And that simply won't do. A tight shot of Edward leaning forward. You'll have another pet. A boy, perhaps. A sweet boy. The camera pans out. He's holding the baby Sabrina. One you can keep. Diana, shocked. How? The blanket swaddling the baby falls away, and we see that she's holding a little rag doll instead. No. No. In a fetal position, Diana. Damn you, Edward. She's our daughter. Hilda. Which, let's be honest, you never would have conceived without our help. Come to Auntie Hilda. That's a good girl. Zelda. Yes. We fixed you up, didn't we? Made it so you could have children. So you could bear fruit. Well, we should get something in return. That's only fair. Diana now, in a rage, rushes towards Edward. Her fist clenched. I'll tell them. I'll tell everyone what you are. What you all are. Edward. No. He puts a hand on Diana's head. And smoke and fumes come from it. As she closes her eyes and collapses, it makes a little hiss sound when he touches her. And he says calmly, No, I don't believe you will. And to be clear, Diana, I'm already damned. We both are. Cut to Diana. Her head shaved. Her face vacant. She's leaning against a wall and being observed through a window. The walls seem to be smeared with filth, handprints, and she sings to herself, 
Lavender's blue, dilly dilly, lavender's green. When I am king, dilly dilly, you shall be queen. Who told you so, dilly dilly, who told you so? Twas my own heart, dilly dilly, that told me so. We see through the window that she is being observed. Two shadows loom over it. Edward, she's not suffering, is she, Dr. Saperstein? No, Mr. Spellman, in that regard at least. The operation was a complete success. We see the two men walking down a long, narrow hallway. Caption, the Hearthstone Clinic for the Mentally Unwell. Edward, thank the stars for small miracles. And in terms of my wife ever recovering? Nothing's conclusive, but every day that passes, it seems more and more unlikely. I'm so sorry, sir. The doctor looking concern in the background and the foreground. Edward goes to leave. He's got a cruel smile on his face. Looks kind of jovial, really. Not at all. I appreciate your honesty, doctor. Poor Diana. I only wish there was more I could do. The doctor. Um, doesn't Miss Spellman have any other family who could help you? Parents or a sibling, perhaps? Edward at the receptionist desk, holding his hat and coat. A nurse sits at the table and taps away in a typewriter. Edward. All dead. It's just me, I'm afraid. Well, and my baby girl, of course. The doctor. Of course. Now, standing outside the mental institution. The doctor. We'll take good care of your wife, sir, and let you know if her condition changes. You focus on your daughter. How, uh, is she doing, by the way? Edward. She's a miracle. Growing like a weed. Stronger every day. I have my sisters helping me raise her. I don't know what I would do without them. A shot of Hilda and Zelda in silhouette. We can only see their eyes. Next to them is a bassinet. They are standing next to a naked tree and a harsh wind blowing leaves around. Edward. In fact, there they are now, waiting for me. Would you like to meet them? The doctor looking at the scene, kind of creepy. He says, uh, uh, some other time, perhaps. I, I should get back to my rounds. Edward. As you wish. Edward now approaching Hilda and Zelda. His arms are up and he seems happy to see them. Ladies, lights of my life, who's in the mood for ice cream? Zelda, don't pussyfoot, Edward. Are we compromised? Hilda, <sighs> why so negative, Zelda? Edward, leaning down to pick up Sabrina. We have nothing to worry about. It's as I told you. There was simply no reason to kill Diana. Now hoisting Sabrina up in the air. Was there my precious little girl? A close-up shot of the baby Sabrina. She's wearing a little red toque. My darling Sabrina. Cut to five years later. We see a little girl standing in a room. Debris, furniture, and her ants swirling around in a violent tornado. An inset panel with a cake. The cake has a knife stabbed in it and the cake is bleeding. The cake reads, October 31st, 1957. In caption, the sixth birthday. Sabrina, 
Where's Daddy? You promised he'd be home by now. Hilda. Oh, my dears. We said we hoped. We hoped he'd be home in time for... Zelda. Put us down this instant, young lady. Birthday or no birthday, what is the rule about telepathic tantrums? A close-up shot of Sabrina. Her eyes black. Her pupils red. Down her face bleeds black, almost looking like cracks in a porcelain doll. Her pale blonde hair and pigtails. A shot of Hilda and Zelda floating in the air beyond their control while Sabrina stares up at them angrily. Your Aunt Zelda and I understand why you might be upset. Zelda. But you're much too clever to be misbehaving this way. You're a spellman, child, so start acting like one. Now I'll ask you once more. What is the rule about telepathy? Sabrina, sinking down. The inset panel that she's in... The inset panel, by the way, is like a panel within a panel. So you have a main panel as the primary image, and then to either show an isolated movement or to show some extra detail that might be in the scene but not magnified, you have a, a little box. It's almost like a picture-in-picture -picture television. This inset panel is breaking apart. It's really cool. It almost looks like it's burning away. Sabrina sinks down and says, Not in the house. Sabrina now raising her arms. The debris in the living room falls to the ground, as do Hilda and Zelda. But they're still in control. I mean, they, they land on their feet. Zelda. Correct. Not in the house. That's why the fallen made backwards. Hilda. Oh, my dears. Zelda and Hilda now standing around Sabrina. Her tantrum seems to be over. Zelda. All righty then. Now, what do you say? Hilda. Honestly, Zelda, she's obviously... Zelda. Stop undermining me, Hilda. She needs to learn. After breaking a rule, Sabrina, what do you say? Sabrina, looking dejected. I'm sorry, aunties, but it's my birthday. It's my birthday and he forgot. A shot of Hilda and Zelda. Zelda looking stern, having her arms crossed. Hilda looking motherly, kind, with her hands clasped in front of her waist. Hilda. Ah, Zelda. Hmm. Hilda leans forward. Just because your father has it written or called, and we haven't been able to raise him on the witch board, doesn't mean... Witch board. <laughs> doesn't mean he's forgotten you. It just means... Zelda. It means he can't. Simple as that. We cut to a tree. It's barren of any leaves. It seems to be off by itself. In caption. Hilda's caption, in fact. But if your Aunt Zelda will let me finish a thought, we pull in closer to the tree. We see a vague shape. Something that looks like a face. I'd wager you what's left of my soul. Wherever he is. Whatever he's doing. He's thinking about you right this very minute. We see tight on the tree. It's a face stretched out in utter agony. It is the face of Edward Spellman. How he succumbed to this fate, we don't yet know. Hilda, your father gave up everything for you, sweet girl. The one he loved the most. That's truer than true. He'll come back to you, to us, to the coven, as soon as he can. In the meantime, Zelda interrupts 
and conjures a present box. It's white, red ribbons. The tag says Sabrina. Zelda. In the meantime, why don't you open your present? The two ants standing there while Sabrina curiously starts to open the present. Sabrina. What is it? Is it a puppy? Hilda. Oh, Zelda. Should we have gotten her a puppy? Zelda. Every witch needs a familiar, a protector, and dogs aren't nearly smart enough. She opens the box, and inside is a little black cat. A cat? I don't want some stinky old cat. I want my daddy. A close-up on Salem the cat. Yes, and I want my human form back. But this is what happens when you attempt to enact the Book of Revelation. We see an establishing shot. Sabrina's ants are working in the garden. An inset panel. A spider's web. Spun within the web. 9-4-1962. Otherwise, September 4th, 1962. In caption, The first day of 6th grade. Zelda, The monk's head came in nicely this year. Wolfsbane, Hilda. It's called... Wolfsbane, Zelda kneeling in the garden, looking back. Remember, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfsbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Nice little wolfman reference. Salem stretching on an overturned basket. <sighs> and to think, I used to like werewolf movies. Off panel, Sabrina. Uh, aunties? Salem and Zelda. Looking at Sabrina, she's dressed in a private school uniform. Plaid skirt, sweater, shirt and tie. Sabrina. Am I a half-breed? Hilda. With a hand to her mouth, in shock. What? Of course not. Why would you even ask such a thing? Zelda. Looking stern. Probably because one of her classmates said it to her. Which one of those little hags was it, Sabrina? Salem. Give us a name, Brina. And all scratch her eyes out. Sabrina, fighting back tears, speaks very quickly. It's indicated in the letters by there being no spaces between any of the words. Uh, Adeline Hubbard. She said Daddy married a human and that's how come he went away because the council banished him and I'm just a half-breed orphan no one will ever love. Hilda. She pauses. Well, that's a horribly false thing to say. You're not an orphan and we love you. And Salem loves you. And and your father. Zelda. It's that school. I've said it since day one. Witchcraft should be taught in the home, not at some trumped-up academy of the unseen. For everything else, public school more than suffices. Sabrina holding her face, still in tears. She, she also said Daddy killed Mommy when I was born. Hilda. Hands on her hips. Really? Is that what she said? We see a little girl playing in her front yard with a dollhouse. The caption, in the time it takes a spell to be uttered, a long shadow looms over the girl. Well, hello there. It's Hilda, hands clasped in front of her waist, smiling gently. Aren't you the prettiest little pumpkin? Your name wouldn't happen to be Adeline Hubbard, would it? A close-up of the girl, brown hair, pigtails, she smiles. It sure is. Hilda. Oh, perfection. We see Hilda's eyes looking strange. One black, one white. Over her forehead seems to be four strange shapes. 
poking through her hair. We now see Hilda has transformed into a massive spider. Those strange shapes were all the extra eyes she was about to grow. The little girl, looking even smaller next to this giant spider, runs away in pure terror as it barrels after her, crashing through a white picket fence. The spider says, Manners, always. Now through a portal, we see Hilda, back in her human form, entering the living room, while Zelda holds Sabrina on the couch, consoling her. Caption, back home. Hilda, well, I can't be certain, but I don't believe Adeline Hubbard will be telling any more absurd lies. The poor dear has a fear of spiders. All the Hubbards do, Zelda. It's not often, but I do love when you show some teeth, sister. In the meantime, Sabrina and I have been chatting, and we both think that there might just be too many memories to stay here in Westbridge. Too many shadows. Hilda. But the coven. Zelda. There are other covens, Hilda. We now see an interesting piece. What is happening here is the two sisters are going to be speaking telepathically to each other. And to indicate this, not only are we using thought bubbles, but to communicate the fact that this is within Hilda's head, for example, because Zelda's doing this, there's wispy little lines. And then a large ghostly image of Zelda's head is next to Hilda. And uh, she says telepathically. And don't you think in the long run that it will be easier for Sabrina to grow up somewhere else where people have no idea who she is or what she can do? Hilda out loud. Yes, but again, telepathically, Zelda. A place where she'll be the strongest of her kind, where we'll be able to protect her. Out loud, Zelda continues. You've always said you wanted her to have a choice. Hilda telepathically now, so there's two giant ghost heads of these women. I did, but... Zelda. Well, here in Westbridge, she never will. But somewhere else. A place where she could carve out her own destiny, as opposed to having it thrust upon her. Then, to her shock, the ghostly image of Sabrina, speaking telepathically to them both. I'd like to try someplace new, out loud Hilda. Sabrina? Telepathically, Sabrina says. Sorry, but I can read your thoughts, out loud. Is that bad? Now we see Hilda wrapping her arms around Sabrina. Not, not a bit, Zelda. It just means you're getting stronger is all. Something else that must be taken into account. Close-up shot of Hilda. All right, Sister Zelda. Since all our disagreements seem to end the same way, where in Beelzebub's name should we move to? Zelda, leaning casually on the couch. Now that you ask, there's a small coven in Greendale just starting up. I checked the listings, and someone's selling a funeral home across the street from the sweetest little cemetery. Imagine, sister, an endless supply of food. Establishing shot, the soon-to-be Spellman house in Greendale. It is indeed a funeral home, ornate, gothic, black iron fence surrounding it. Zelda holding Sabrina's hand, Hilda walking alongside them, Sabrina with a little brown suitcase, and trotting behind them is Salem. They're looking up at the house. Hilda, thoughts? Hilda, I... I'm not sure. Something about this place. Zelda, leaning down to Sabrina. <sighs> you and your feelings. 
What about you, Sabrina? What do you think? Close-up shot of Sabrina. She looks up, looking cheerful. I love it, Auntie. We now see a teenage girl, pink skirt, pink sweater, walking home from school, inset panel in brick, 623-1964, or June 23rd, 1964. Sabrina getting home. Aunties, I'm home. I'm going to get changed and go swimming. She says that as she leans into the doorframe, hanging from a hand. Um, hi? We see in the living room, Hilda, Zelda, and Salem, standing there with a lot of suitcases, steamer trunks, a guitar. Is a handsome man, tight red pants, leather jacket. He speaks. You must be the half-breed. Um, my cousin, Sabrina. Oh, I'm Ambrose. Sabrina... You sound like Ringo. By the way, that's my Ringo impression. It's not great, but... Hilda. Cousin Ambrose is from the old country, Sabrina. He's staying with us for the next little while. Show him up to his room in the attic. Don't fret about me bags, cuz. Just lead the way. Sabrina, walking Ambrose up to the attic. Behind him, his bags are floating via telepathy. Sabrina looking back. So, you're a boy witch? A warlock, yes. He looks around the attic room. Sabrina holding Salem in her arms. Ambrose sighs. It's all very Anne Frank, isn't it? Still, I suppose it's better than the stocks. Salem. Meow. Not to pry, though I will. Why are you here? Sabrina. Salem? Ambrose. Curious cat. There was a lot of bother over an incident at my school. One of my hideous prefix short-sheeted on my bed. So, I took his hands away. Salem. Great, a junior Ed Gein. Sabrina. You, you, sitting on the bed, Ambrose. Well, I gave them back, eventually. But damage had been done. I'd been revealed. High Priest Crowley wanted to spirit me away to the nether realm, but your aunts kindly intervened. They agreed to homeschool and rehabilitate me. Salem, sniffing the suitcase. What's in the suitcase? This one in particular. Ambrose amused. He rests his head in his hand. Hmm. Aren't you a clever kitty? Bit of a mongoose in you. My familiars. Come out, darlings, and say hello to our hosts. And in the box sprouts out two cobras. One of the cobras says, I am Nag, and I am Nagina. Look, and be afraid. Salem. And yet, somehow, I'm not. Ambrose. They were a gift from my Uncle Rudyard. He rescued them from a snake cult in Bombay. Sabrina. What's that marking? Our father is a god Glycon, little witch. That is his imprint. Salem. Glycon's a puppet. Snake cults are the worst, and if you go anywhere near my litter box, I'll skin you. Sabrina, hands on her hips. Salem, be nice. There are guests. Ambrose, picking up Salem. Oh no, don't you dare chastise him. Here, kitty kitty, come to Ambrose. You'll find my pets and I quite appreciate drama in our lives. Sabrina, crouching down, offering a hand to one of the snakes. In which case, you have my sympathies. Nothing dramatic ever happens in Greendale. Sabrina now, getting ready for school. It's been a couple of months. The banner 
and an inset panel reads, 9-9-1964. She's standing in her bedroom. It's a mess. There are records and socks and books all over the floor. The walls have posters of the Beatles and Elvis and... There's probably a lot of famous people from the 1960s. One of the posters is uh, Josie for Josie and the Pussycats. It's a nice little touch. Off panel, while Sabrina looks in the mirror, Ambrose. You know what you need, considering the fact that you've been staring at yourself for nearly an hour? Sabrina, I'm sure you'll tell me. Ambrose, sitting there with a bunch of 45s next to a record player. A glamour. It requires a phrase or two. And a little dance to work, so fancy a dash of Dion, or a bit of Barbara. Looking into the mirror, Sabrina says, But a glamour is a vanity spell. Fairy magic. Ambrose switching records. Oh, please. It's your first day of high school, Sabrina. Don't you want to look your best? Yes. Some Roy Orbison, I think. And now he's sitting there, snapping his fingers, singing, Pretty woman. Pretty woman. Walking down the street, pretty woman. Kinda like to meet, pretty woman. But I don't believe you're not the truth. He takes Sabrina's hand and she smiles as they start to dance with each other. As her hands are clasped, we can see a magical black energy coursing around their fingertips. Ambrose. And actually, glamours are spells of protection. Witches, not fairies, invented them, so we were able to disguise ourselves and pass among mortals. You know, without being burned at the stake. So why not transform that hair don't into something else? Sabrina flipping her hair. I like my hair, even though it's turning white. Ambrose holding up his fingers, surrounded in magical energies, his eyes now white. Oh, but it could be anything. You could be anything. Sabrina standing in the mirror. Her hair now, not unlike Marilyn Monroe. You could be a Marilyn. Ambrose Graven Images. He puts his hands up and changes her hair again. Looking like Jackie Kennedy. Fine, fine, so be a Jackie. Sabrina, that's even more disrespectful. Poor Miss Kennedy. I still have nightmares. Audrey Hepburn. Grace Kelly. Off panel. Enough. You're going as yourself, Brina. Salem. Coming into a cracked door. Your aunts uprooted our lives and moved us to this backwater so you could be yourself, proudly. Now hurry up. The bus is out front. Outside the Spellman house, a yellow school bus drives away. We see Ambrose and Salem watching it as it goes. One of Ambrose's familiars, Nag, is also there. Salem to Ambrose. Glamours are for crones anyway. Ambrose, hmm. You think so? For familiar, you haven't got a clue about what's best for your mistress. Nag. Poor, poor little witch girl. I promise you, it wasn't for vanity, Salem. It was for protection. Ambrose's narration continues over images of Sabrina going to school. Her high school going to her locker, closing her locker next to a red-headed woman. He goes on to say, You've never been to high school, but I have. It's as dangerous and frightful a place as exists Hell on earth for mortals and witches alike. Off panel. Hi! Ambrose's caption. Where there are dragons behind every smile. The redhead speaks. I'm Rosalind, but you can call me Roz. So, is it true that you live in that creepy funeral home next to the cemetery? And that your parents are dead? Sabrina. Yes, 
And yes, sort of. Yeah, that's what we all heard. That's so sad. You must be so depressed, like, all the time. Oh my god, I love your headband. Where did you get it? Not that I could pull it off. By the way, are you part albino? I mean, would you describe your hair as white or platinum or what? Sabrina's caption. She kept talking at me, which was annoying, but fine, since I really wasn't listening to her anymore. Because, you guys, that's when I saw him. Walking with a group of his friends. He was like out of a movie. Or what a Greek god must be like. Harvey Kinkle. And sure enough, there's Harvey Kinkle. This has been Sabrina's love interest since the creation of the character. Ambrose. What? You're joking. Harvey Kinkle. I hope he's better looking than that name suggests. And Sabrina's sitting on a bed. We can see Ambrose's familiars. Salem is there. Sabrina. And I love his name. And he is. He's like Paul Newman, but cuter. As he passed by us, he said, Harvey. Hey, what's up, ladies? Cool hair. I dig it. Sabrina. I'm telling you, I almost died. Then, I almost died again when Rosalind said, Rosalind pointing an accusing finger at Sabrina. Hands off, weirdo. Harvey Kinkle's mine. Ambrose now, sitting there, one of his familiars slithering around his shoulders. Want me to banish her to the cornfield? Sabrina. No, no way. Nothing like that. But I was thinking. Salem. Here we go. We decided this. No glamours. You don't need them. Sabrina, bringing Salem up close to her. No, Salem. Not a glamour. And I don't want to manipulate Harvey exactly. I just... A close-up of Ambrose and his familiar nag. You just want him to like you. Nag. Yes! A close-up of Sabrina's eyes. Maybe a little. Is that so bad? Salem playing with Sabrina's fingers. Looks like a cute little kitty would. I don't have to tell you what the sisters Grimm would say, do I? And there's Hilda and Zelda knitting a giant yarn ball. This is this imaginary scenario about what they might actually say. Hilda, you're 13. You're too young to be interested in boys. Zelda, and it's prohibited for witches to consort with mortals. Sabrina, which law forbids it? Sabrina now, wistfully thinking. But that's what my dad did, isn't it? When he married my mom? Salem walking away from Sabrina. That's my point exactly. Because where are they now? It's been years. And we still don't know. A close-up of Sabrina's face. The other side of the panel is her imagining her father and mother together on a romantic dinner date. Yes, but isn't it possible that wherever they are, they're together and happy? Sustained by their star-crossed love? And which law be damned? Sabrina looking to Salem. Unless you know something I don't. Salem pauses. I suppose anything is possible. Ambrose lazily resting on the bed, both his snakes at either side. We're all of us proof of that. Sabrina. Absolutely. Which is why I choose to believe that they're together and happy. And will come back for me one day. Salem. Fine. Believe that if it helps. But your aunts. Ambrose now, 
floating in midair with a snake slithering around his arms. Or off belaying some corpse for its sweetmeats. So let's have some fun. What this situation calls for, Sabrina, is a honey jar spell. A witch in Mexico named La Sarancho showed me how. Do you have a picture of this teen Adonis? Salem. Since when did I become the voice of reason? I don't enjoy it. Sabrina. During study hall, I went to the library and found a yearbook from last year and... Will this do? She holds up a picture of Harvey Kinkle playing football like a man like that would. Ambrose. Oh, yes. Sabrina now in the kitchen. She reaches up to a top shelf cupboard and with telepathy floats down a mason jar. Ambrose's narration. Step one, find and sterilize a mason jar. Salem in the kitchen with Sabrina. I don't like this. It's a slippery slope, Sabrina. Now we see Sabrina at a beehive. Step two, fill it with honey from buzzing bees. Sabrina, thank you bees for honey and for not stinging me. And thank you spell of coercion and spell of protection. Sabrina now sitting at a table with the mason jar of honey. Ambrose. Step three, write your petition. Harvey's name on the back of his picture and circle it counterclockwise. Sabrina sitting there with the jar. She is now shaking it. Step four, spit on the paper. The spitting's important. Fold it towards you. Put it in the honey with a spoonful of brown sugar and a stick of cinnamon. Seal the jar and shake it as though your life depended on it. Salem watching her shake the jar. Remember the monkey's paw story? You break a rule, even a small one, and there'll be consequences. Sabrina, says the cat who tried to summon the four horsemen. Now quiet, I'm shaking. Salem, while Sabrina lights the candle on top of this mason jar. Don't you want him to like you for who you are? Sabrina, this is who I am, a teen witch. This is what we do. Sabrina now, waiting with Ambrose. Salem sniffing the jar in the background. Sabrina, and now? Ambrose, you wait and see if Harvey sweetens on you. You wait and see if Harvey comes to you. If he's meant to, if that's what his heart wants, he will. Sabrina, sitting out front of the school, holding her books to her chest. Or not. Oh well. Off panel. Hey, and it is Harvey Kinkle, looking suave, wavy blonde hair. Letterman jacket. Sabrina, right? The Sabrina says. Yes. I mean, yes. And you're Harvey. Harvey Kinkle? Harvey. Yeah. Lame, I know. N no, I, I love, like it. It's uh, unique. Close up of Harvey smiling. Cool. Um, sheesh. I forgot what I was going to say. The close up of Sabrina's face. Were you. Going to ask me to the movies this weekend? Goldfinger, maybe? Harvey perks up. Yes, definitely. Wanna go? Should I come by and pick you up? Sabrina tapping her finger to her chin. No, let's meet there. A circle panel with just Sabrina's head. I live with my aunts and they're the grooviest, but I'm afraid they'd eat you alive, Harvey Kinkle. Well, isn't this a cute story? Young love... Magical witchy spells. Nothing can possibly go wrong. This isn't too different from our familiar Sabrina the Teenage Witch stories. And uh, uh, oh, wait, there's more. We see the satanic symbol 
of Bahamut, in caption, in extra creepy writing. Meantime, something wicked. Deep in the dark woods, we see two young teen girls in blue sweaters, emblazoned with big white R's. One's a brunette, the other is a blonde. That's right, it is Betty and Veronica. The caption, it was an accident. Two young witches in the town of Riverdale were trying to summon a succubus, a demoness of desire, to help them settle a blood rivalry. Betty, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Veronica, I told you this was a bad idea. We should have just cut him in half. I Priestess Grundy warned us. We now see the silhouette of a voluptuous nude woman. The caption, instead, they somehow managed to set her free from Guyana, the capital city of hell. Unless, of course, it's true what witches say. There are no accidents. Cut to Betty and Veronica in a pinky swear motion, sitting in their bedroom. It's a bunk bed, and they're both on the bottom bunk, sitting cross-legged next to each other. Betty, we, we can't tell anyone what we did tonight. Not even Archie. Pinky swear? Veronica, pinky swear. Anyway, whatever that thing was, it won't live to see morning. Not in those woods. We now see this nude woman tearing apart some deer. She's covered in blood now, and she gnaws on the corpses. We can't see her face. The captions. They couldn't have been more wrong. She came across a pregnant doe and devoured it and its unborn calf. The warm meat and blood and entrails filled her. We now see this strange, silhouetted nude woman look like she's dancing in the moonlight. The moon was a blood moon, too, and that blessed her. She was of the moon. She was of the weird woods and the salty earth and the warm, cold wind that was blowing that night. We see her walking naked through the woods, her body curved at a weird angle, and she walks towards a body of water. She doesn't remember her name, but she remembers she had sisters once. She was meant to marry someone, someone named Edward, 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 Edward. She almost grasps it, but then it escapes her. The woman now, thigh deep in the water, she does remember dimly that he, who was he, threw her over for someone else. Uh, can it be mortal woman? Diana, Diana. Which is why she took her life, oh god no, and was consigned to Ghana. The lake's water is cool on her thighs. We now see her deeper in the water. It's past her breasts, only her shoulders and head are exposed. We still can't see her face. She was betrayed. There would be a blood atonement, even if it took her years to achieve, which it might. That was all right. She had time, and she had her hatred. It sustained her in Guyana. It would serve her on Earth. Of course, she would need a new face first. And we see, chin deep in the water, this woman's skeletal face, her eyes, 
two individual faces dripping blood out of their mouths. They're all skull-like, alien-like, fetal-like almost. Her lips bear no flesh, yet there's lipstick over her teeth. An inset panel. The same book that was in the very first panel of the first page of our story, with the two skulls and the little demon fetus thing in a jar. It says on the book, Next, Sweet Sixteen. And that is it for issue one of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you liked the dark little twists at the end and all the little creepy stuff that is peppered throughout the story. We are going to be hanging out with Sabrina all through the month of October. I hope you guys are looking forward to it. As always, we will see you next week. I am your horror host, Wes Deadair Nipe, now and forever, even beyond the grave. And you've been listening to Panels of Blood.